Joshua's final address. Next week we will see uh, the other part of that address, more of a charge, a final charge that Joshua gives. But here in first, uh, this, uh, this first exhortation, we're going to see a few exhortations because this is the end of Joshua's life. Pondering on the last things he needs to want to portray and get across to those who he's been leading, who he loves, been, been you know, leading this nation and gone through so much. But we see here in Joshua 23, verses 1 through 3, follow along with me here. Now it came to pass. So there's been some time from uh, the previous part of the, cha- uh, the letter or the chapter that we of uh, 22. A long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies around about, that Joshua's old advanced in age. So it kind of gives you a picture of where we're at in his life. And Joshua called for all of Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. So it's been many years been passed since Joshua and the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River, entered into the, land, the promised land. It took seven years to defeat the enemies inhabited that land of Canaan. Then it was another 13 years passed before the land was divided among the tribes. After tackling and, and, and trying to deal with the, the remnants of their enemies, hiding in the valleys and hiding in the hills there, as they were trying to, to, to really live and to be able to have control over the land that they were given in each of the tribe. The land had been, finally God gave them rest. And this is what he's referring to in the very uh, verse 2. At the very end, I'm old, advanced, but we see that there was a point, there's a rest that took place. Everything, the wars stopped, everything's being settled in. So when we read that Joshua's old and, and stricken in age, there's no exaggeration here because he's now at 110 years of age approximately. And however, he was still going strong. He doesn't show any signs and see anything that he wasn't going strong. He was still encouraging to the nation of Israel. He's still exhortating. He was still instructing. He was still inspiring God's people to be faithful to God. But here Joshua calls out to the all of Israel, and in his old age, he gathers the leaders of the Israelites, here's the nation of Israel, together to give them this final, this final address, this final farewell address, to communicate to them the things that are in his heart, things that are in his heart. He wants to make sure he gets it out to the people, the most important thing for them to hear, the last parting words. And that was to warn them seriously of the dangers of departing from Yahweh. He's like, these are children to him. Children, if you depart from the Yahweh, you start walking away from the things of God, you're in serious danger. That's all I'm going to leave with you. This is the most important. Stay faithful to God. 
You need to stay obedient, total obedience to the word of God. That is really his first exhortation to them. Hear the word of God, be obedient to the word of God, don't walk away from the word of God. That's number one exhortation, the most important thing off the top of his lips. Number one thing. And that's so true for us today. That we are to be total obedience to the word of God. Joshua can't practically speak to the whole nation because the whole nation's been spread out from both sides of the, of the Jordan. He really goes into the leaders of them and draws the leaders and the elders and the judges and officers. You know, Caleb would have been there. Eliezer, the priest, would have been there. The military leaders are now ahead of their homes and tribes and pl different places. They're all coming here. They're gathering because they want to hear the last words, these parting words from their leader. He can reach the entire nation through communicating effectively with these leaders and these leaders then spreading out the, what the word has. They must have been meeting somewhere in verse 2 showing Silo, uh, Shiloh or his home in Ephraim, wherever that may be, that's where they would have been meeting there. Now it's interesting when we get to chapter 24 verse 1, it's Shechem and it looks like he might have gathered by that point the whole nation or more of the people and he addresses them there. But I see there's two different meetings or different conversations that are going to go there. But he starts by saying, you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations. Don't forget what God has done for you. And he wanted to remind them in his final address by giving glory to God. It would have been easy for him to say, let me go down my, my accomplishments and all my medals and all my patches and all my places where I went to be deployed out multiple, multiple times. Let me, let me give you everything I've accomplished. No, no, he didn't do that. He gave God the glory for all of it. The only reason why we're all still living and standing is because God fought for us. Doesn't matter what I have accomplished as your leader, what I did. I was just being faithful to the word of God and what he called me to do. And so he starts by giving God all the glory, which should be what we be doing. He didn't focus on himself. He was far more interested in glorifying God than talking about himself. And that's where this Joshua is bringing out this one theme that God's unfailing faithfulness to Israel. God is so faithful to Israel. And their response, their responding responsibility should be faithful to God. God is so faithful to us. We need to respond in responsibility to be faithful to him. Joshua, again, is a wonderful picture of Jesus, as we have seen this through this book. Every time Jesus did a miracle, without exception, Scripture records that Jesus always glorified his Father. Everyone knew where he went to seek direction and who he glorified. Jesus was able to minister in a way that was regardless of how spectacular his actions were. The amount of attention they would have had. All of that, honor and glory, always went to his father. Remember, what God did for Israel, he's just saying, just remember what God has done for you, Israel. He's overcome the enemy in the past. 
He's done all this in the past. He's brought you through all these events of the past. And He is going to be there for you to bring you forward in the future. For the Lord your God is He who has fought for you. But when you see these words, my brothers and sisters, you and I have to remember that in God's, it's always God is giving us always a reminders, and through his word, his reminders of his faithfulness. And he reminds here through Joshua to tell the people of God's people today, even today, God is faithful. As we read the Bible and see what God did in the past for those who trusted him, it should encourage us to trust him today and face all of our enemies with courage and confidence. The Lord is with you. God was with them. Israel then. He see him through the scripture. God is with you uh, all through the disciples and all of those. God is with us. That's why we can have that courage and that confidence to continue to fight through the spiritual warfare, fight through the enemies that come against us. Because we follow the word of God. He continues here this charge, uh, this, 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 this farewell you know, final address here. He says, see I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. So under Joshua's leadership, he's bringing it to light that the army of Israel broke the back of the Canaanite military occupation. All those federations in the south and the north, they all tried to get together and through strength, they were going to somehow overtake God's people. But now Joshua's reminding them. Each individual tribe to fully possess what God had given them. Why? Because God is the one that fought for them. God is the one that put them in the land. God is the one that gave them the, the lot of land within the promised land. They are to fully possess it. And never forget that God is the one that fulfilled his promise. He was faithful to do exactly what he said he was going to do. And in the same way, God gives every believer our inheritance. We've been blessed. <laughs> you really should count your blessings. Because we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We see that in Ephesians 1.3. And God had a definite part for us to play in coming to possess that inheritance. In all the areas of spiritual life, God will do, but we must cooperate too. God will do, but we must cooperate too. If you don't cooperate with God, how do you think you're going to possess what God is wanting to give to you? How many times do we find ourselves fighting against God because you couldn't see what God was doing? It wasn't easy. It was uncomfortable. Something new. You don't like change. I can't think I can handle this. And God's all along saying, wait a minute. I, will you trust me? Will you have courage? Will you have this courage and will you be confident in what I'm going to do through your life? Because I have an inheritance for you. But you got to do your part. you gotta, you got to stop pushing against me and, and, and grieving the Spirit as He's trying to lead you to do 
and to possess these inheritance, these things that God wants to do in through your life. There's so much God wants to do for you and me. He, there's so many things to do for me and with me and through me and in me, but I have got to do my part. I cannot just be passively sitting back and saying, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to well, work out somehow. No, God wants you actively involved with him. As we see that God move in our lives, we just go with God. We do what God tells us to do, where to go, whatever it may be. Joshua then continues in verse 6 and says, Therefore, <laughs> therefore, everything I just told you, therefore, this total obedience in the, to the word of God, therefore be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. So he's really being very, very clear here in this first exhortation to him. The first responsibility Joshua gave to the leaders of the nation was to be obedient to God's word. To keep the word. My brothers and sisters, we must keep the word. Satan will whisper and yell even into your ears telling you you're too old or you're too tired or you're too stressed or you're too young or you're too busy. Fill in the blank for you. Because Satan wants you to not do what God's calling you to do. To not be obedient to the word of God. Joshua says, I am 110 here. I'm old. But that doesn't stop me from doing what God's called me to do, and I'm supposed to give you the word. Satan will tell you all the things. You, you, you don't feel like going tonight. You don't need to go. You don't need to read your Bible, go to Bible study, talk about the things of the Bible with other people. I'm telling you, don't listen to that voice. Joshua was telling him, don't listen to that voice. You do the word of God. Listen and obey. Make study of the word of God the priority of your life. If it's not your priority of your life, oh, let, me let me challenge you. Let me exhort you tonight. Like Joshua to the nation of Israel. To all the leaders there in the nation of Israel he's speaking to. Make the study of the word the priority of your life. And don't let anyone or anything or any other priority take you from it. And when you do that, he says, you will be courageous. You will be obedient. You'll be courageous to be obedient to the word of God. You will be following God and his word isn't something of a, with a faint heart. It will be one of courageous heart. We tend to focus on the aspects of obedience that we like. <laughs> I like that part of the word. I like that book in the word. I think I only like this part of that book in that part of the book and only in that last chapter of that book. That's the only one I like. <laughs> no, the word of God is all the word of God, the whole counsel of God. You can't skip over parts that challenges us. 
or very sensitive. You don't like the feeling you get when you read it. You don't. You and I don't sit there and I'm, I'm going to avoid those, 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 that, that, that book or that chapter. That's probably the most important chapter, the important book you should be reading. Because it will challenge you. It will help you to grow. Don't skip over it. Because if you don't follow the word of God, you're going to go to the right hand or the left. And he's saying, you're going to turn aside. You're instead of going, just following, just nice, simple, narrow road, following God, you're going to go to, off to, you're going to hang a left or hang a right. You're going to have one of those squirrel moments. You'll go squirrely. They must not turn, Joshua said, you cannot turn aside from it to the right or the left. And do you realize Satan, he's saying, Satan doesn't care which extreme he pushes us toward. He doesn't care if he pushes you into legalism or or pushes you into licentiousness. It doesn't matter to Satan. It pleases Satan if he can get you to push to the left or to the right, to the extremes. And not understand the grace of God. Now we see the second exhortation. We're supposed to be obedient to the word of God. To follow God. Don't don't get distracted from these things. Stay focused on the word of God, the pure word of God. But here in 7 and 8 we see, And unless you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. Well, let's stop in verse 7 here first. Joshua said, first of all, you'd be obedient to the word of God. Follow God. Don't don't follow anyone else. Second exhortation is don't get friendly with the enemy. Don't be feeling comfortable hanging out with the enemy. Don't be hanging out among these nations that are still among you, that you should have gotten rid of, but you didn't get rid of them all. Now they're still lingering around the outside and some within the tribe areas. Don't even mention them. Don't even talk about their gods. Don't talk about their their practices. Certainly don't make any promises or swearing on a promise or oaths of regards to them. That is absolutely against God's word. And you certainly are not to then turn around because eventually if you're not careful, you'll start serving them and start bowing down or worshiping them. That's the, that's the spiral down. You get comfortable hanging with them. You start talking to other people, even, in the, even within the, 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 your, the nation, you're going to start talking about, hey, do you know what they're doing over there? Oh, that's their, that's their, little, their you know, little celebration every year. And they, oh, yeah, they have a little celebration. They've invited us to go over there. I think that would be really interesting to go and be part of those, those celebrations that they're doing. Do you understand how many gods they follow? Do you see what other their priorities of who they worship and follow? 
Make a promise. You're going to go there. Make a promise. You'll be going there and going with them to that little celebration of theirs. And those practices they do. Are you, are you saying that you're now going to go there and actually help them and serve them? Out of the love of God? Eventually you're going to bow down and start worshiping and doing exactly what they do. That's what Joshua is saying here. It's a, stir, it's, just, it's a spiral down here. So Joshua told the leaders in addition to being obedient to the word of God, they were to be separate from the word. Separated from the world. Be separated from the world. Be obedient to the word, but you need to be separated from the world. They were not to be experts on the gods of the nation surrounding them. According to Romans 16, 19, For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. You know just enough, but you don't need to become an expert of it. Don't even mention them. All these false gods of the Canaanites, don't even mention them. Don't learn about them. Don't study them. Instead, you should hold fast to the Lord, their God. That is what he told us to do. Right there in verse 8. You shall hold fast to the Lord, your God, as you have done to this day. Don't change. Don't, don't, get, don't get sloppy here. All those leaders that he had in front of them, he was like just saying, you're responsible, you're the leaders of your tribes. Be, be obedient to the word, separate from the world, but and be secure to the Lord. Three things he's telling them. Be obedient to the word. Separate from the world. Don't be acting like the world. Don't be a part of that, into that world life. The lifestyle and everything else. No, no. And secure to the Lord. Be secured. Hold fast to the Lord your God. Don't let anyone get, be able to pull you away from the things of God. Because that's what the enemy is going to do. It's so subtle. It's a little hook. And it just starts just wheeling you in. You might struggle with it for a little while, but... Satan and his demonic forces, they they got lots of strength. They're just waiting for you to get tired, to hear the same lies, until after a while you're like, maybe it'd be better not to have to struggle. and Just wheeling you in, man. And now, you've let the world come in. An old saying concerning criminal enterprises there was a saying that I saw read, and I read it and I said, oh, I remember hearing this so much. Keep your friends close, but your enemies even closer. Have you ever heard that saying? But do you understand that's exactly what Christians are not to do? The normal Christian in a general totality is not called to become experts in the cults of, or, the, or the heresies or the things that are just demonic. We're to become experts of Jesus Christ to hold fast to him. 
So when I hear people say, oh, I'm studying this cult and this cult and I'm here, I'm going to go study here and I'm going to go over there. And actually, I might go look and actually go to one of their services just to check it out. If you're playing with fire, you're going against the word of God. Be an expert of Jesus Christ. Don't become an expert of these things. Especially as a new believer. That's why you hear people, oh yeah, I've studied world religions. I, I can see a little of everything and it's all kind of good and I'll make my own little thing. These are people who are out there mixing it up and trying to find themselves through whatever appeases them. They're going to get hooked. That's the sad part. That's what's grieving as a pastor. I see them getting hooked. And they're off just, eventually they're just, they will not hold fast to the Lord Jesus Christ and they're off into doing or not even following God at all because they're so confused. Verse 9. Now we're going to see this, this important aspect of, uh, of abiding in the Lord here. And he says, uh, you know, a very important warning here it says, For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall cause a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. You're abiding in the Lord. They saw God do great things in and through their lives. And as they continue to abide in the Lord, they would continue to see great things that God will fight on their behalf when the enemy comes after them. Joshua says, wait a minute, you know who's fighting for you, who's with you, who's always with you, He's always keeping him in front of you, he's the one that's going to protect you and guide you and, 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 and see all things here. And he's going to continue to do that if you stay abiding in him. Stay close. Don't let him out of your touch. Remember what the Lord has said to you as the nation of Israel. The whole success of Joshua's leadership was all because he was abided in God. He did not leave God. He never went against God. He stayed very close and he knew his God was faithful and he stayed faithful to God. He didn't walk away and wander off. And he's saying to the nations of Israel, your victory is because was his devotion to the word of God because he stayed close to the word of God. He obeyed God's commandments. He believed God's promises and God worked on his behalf. It's not like Joshua saying, I was something special. Oh, I have certain characteristics. I'm a leader and I'm this and I'm a that. No, no. He said, the only reason... There was success in my life is because I devoted my life to knowing and to being obedient to the word of God. To be obedient to God's commandments, to believe God's promises, and God worked on his behalf. And even more, his devotion to the word of God enabled when he was so devoted to knowing the word of God and to listen to God's still small voice, to speak to him about everything. 
Joshua developed a, a, a relationship, an intimate relationship to get to know God better, to love him and to want to please him. That will be the result. Let me say it again. You devote your life to the word of God. Being obedient to the word of God. Daily seeking after and wanting to hear from God. Then you're going to know God in an intimate level better than ever before. You will love him at a deeper level than ever before. And you'll want to please him in every aspect of your life never be ever before. People say, how do you grow spiritually? Get in the word of God and do what he shows you to do. Be close to him. Just seek after him every day in the word of God. Talk to him through these things. He speaks to you through the word of God. Want to listen and want to be talked to. It's not enough to know the word of God and that's it. I can quote you scripture after scripture and book after book. I can name all 66 books and I can tell you this and this. But that's just knowledge. That's getting into legalism because you know the word. But that's not really knowing the word. You must also know the word of the God of the word. Not just the words on paper. You need to know the God of the word. You must grow in a relationship with him. A personal relationship with him. One who meditates day and night on his word. You're looking and wanting to hear and apply the word of God to your life. Not just say you because you've read it. Not because you say you can quote more than anybody else. Or memorize more than anybody else. Or say you've been reading the Bible longer than anybody else. I've met a lot of people who know the word, but they have no relationship. Very little. There is no love for God coming out of them. They're cold. Verse 11, therefore, he says, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. You, you gotta you be very careful. You need to heed it. This is a warning. You need to heed to yourselves. You need to tell yourselves, "Ooh, Corey, you better you better stay alert. Be careful that you love the Lord your God. Don't get distracted. Or else, verse twelve, if indeed you do go back, oh." Going back, we use the word backsliding sometimes, spiraling backwards, and cling to the remnant of these nations, these pagan nations, this worldliness, these that remain among you and make marriages with them. You start now, inter- now you're really bonding with this, this nation, and go into them and they into you. Verse 13, no for certain. No for certain. This is, not a, this is not a maybe. It's a guarantee. No for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, 
but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from these good land from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Woo, he gives a strong I told you, love the, the word of God. Abide in him. Stay close to him. Do, do not love the enemy. Do not get mixed up with the enemy. Do not live like the enemy. Don't let the world and, and you blend into one like it's no, you can't even tell the difference. Don't do that. Because he says, if you do, know for certain the one who conquered the enemies, who drove your enemies out, protect you from your enemies and all the spiritual warfare and all the real warfares that comes against you, God is not going to be there for you. Lord, your God will no longer drive these nations out before you. What will be the, what will be the result? Oh, the result's going to be hurt. They're going to snare you. They're going to trap you. They're going to scourge you. Thorns in your eyes until you perish. You're going to be driven out from this land which the Lord God has given you. See, this is what they must be careful to do. They must, as Jude puts it in Jude 21 there, keep yourselves in the love of God. You must, I must, you must keep yourselves in the love of God. How can we love God? By spending time with the Lord tomorrow morning. When you become intrigued by Him and experience His intimacy with Him because you're spending more and more time with Him in the Word. Developing and cultivating that friendship. And as you spend time and more time, you're cultivating this friendship over time. And I'm not talking about legalistic or pharisaical plan that you, uh, you know. An intimate relationship. Continuing to love that loving that Lord takes. It's diligence. It's, it's this continuous diligence to continue to, regardless of how you feel, you keep showing up and wanting to sit there and just talk to God and hear from God. Because there are many things, both inside us, within us, and outside of us, that draws us away from that love of God. This call to love God is an appeal to the will of one's person. You love God, you want to love God even at a deeper level, you're more and more, it must be His will, not my will be done. We must decide to love God. Even the feelings of love for him don't come immediately. They must be cultivated and deepened over time. The way to love God is to spend time with him because the more time you spend with him, the more you can't help but love the one who loves you. You realize how much God loves you. Just like God is so faithful to us. Our response of responsibility is to be faithful back. 
Once you understand and you spend time with you, realize how much God loves you, our response of responsibility is to love him back. But he, Joshua warns him, indeed, if you go back, you go back to the world life, you go back to your old life, you cling on to the remnants of the things of this world. You're clinging on to it. You're not letting go of these things of this world. You're in trouble. James warns us. James 1.27 Unspotted from the world. You and I must keep ourselves unspotted from the world. And if we do get spotted, what did we learn on Sundays? We had to come to him and confess so he, we, our feet can be washed. Hands be washed because we're spotted. Don't let it linger because it's just going to build up onto you, this grime and muck, and you're going to eventually, you're going to be drawn away. You're going to eventually be, as he refers back to you, you're going to go back. You're going to cling to the remnants of this nation's. But if we're continuing in God's love, it means that they'll, we will keep themselves, ourselves separated from ungodly influences around us. If we don't separate, Josh says, if you don't separate yourselves from ungodly influences around you, those influences will become to them as instruments, as he says, of torture and will lead to your destruction. You think it's fun and good and, oh, it's a great lifestyle you're building. They will eventually, he says, they will snare you and trap you and eventually it's going to torture you. But many people say, it's only an innocent Canaanite relationship in my life. It's no big deal. I'm not, it's, not just, it's just an innocent Canaanite relationship. Joshua is saying, that innocent Canaanite relationship that you have is going to lead to you torture and a snare tomorrow. These ungodly influences never advertise themselves. They never put a beacon and say, come and have a relationship with me and you'll be tortured, guaranteed. They'll never tell you that. You'll be scourged. If you hang with me, come join me. The enemy never advertises the, the, the ultimate result of that kind of relationship with the world. They'll become instruments of torture. That is why we need to have spiritual discernment, my brothers and sisters. We must, it's one of the things, as we spend time with God, we can have spiritual discernment to see and to hear things that the enemy is trying to trick you with. When I read this part, I can't help but think of the one who, although he knew no sin, became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 When you picture the thorns pressed into his head, his eyes. The crown. And the scourging, the ripping open of his back. The spear that cut into his side. That's what sin does. Not his sin. He had no sin. But my sin. 
See, if you're going squirrely in your mind thinking about backsliding, going back into the world and this not following God and not developing this relationship with God and love for God, what happened to Jesus will happen to you. Sooner or later, it will kill you because of the wages of sin is still and always is death. Romans 6.23 How many people just don't believe God's word? Now his final warning here we see in Joshua 23.14 He's going to warn them God has faithfulness. No question about it. But he's faithful in every aspect. Behold this day I am going the way of all the earth. You know what that is a nice way of saying? He's going to die. I'm, I'm an old man. I'm dying. I'm going back to the earth. I came from dust. I'm going back to dust. That's a nice way of putting on your eulogy or whatever. I'm going to, I'm going, I went away to back to the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. So again, Joshua reinstates here. An emphasis he makes. As a dying man, an old dying man at the very end, loving these people. Hoping that this would make his words sink even more deeply into their hearts. I'm a dying man here. I only have a few more words to tell you. Listen to me. Because these are the words, my final words, that I, I know I need to say to you. See, Joshua requires that every man probe deep within oneself and see if there is ever a time in his life when he can literally or she could literally rightly accuse God of unfaithfulness to him. Try it, because you'll never find it. God is always faithful to you. And if we think there could be such a legitimate accusation that, God, you weren't faithful to me, all that does is reveal to you and to others if you say it out loud. It just shows you are, well, are not well acquainted with the God we claim to know. If you think God is unfaithful, then you really don't know God as well as you think. God has been faithful. That's why he says in verse 15 and 16, Therefore, it shall come to pass, that as all the good things have come upon you which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. Ooh, that was a heavy warning. 
He didn't keep it just flowery. I love you. God loves you. I'm dying. I hope you do everything goes well. Bless you. No. He gave the full, the full final message to them. Final address. This is it. I'm telling you all the good and ugly. Because in addition to, to defeat and discomfort, he says God's people are sure to experience disgrace at a level they never thought they would. If you turn from him, you're going, you're going to be defeated because God's not going to push out your enemies. You're going to be so discomforted because you're going to have, feel pain. But you're also going to be disgraced. How do we know this played out when they, we see in the history that they turned against God? In 17, or 722 BC, when Israel turned away from the Lord and worshipped other gods, the Assyrians invaded their land and marched them across the desert with fish hooks in their mouths to Assyria, where they were held captives. But that was only the beginning of disgrace. Naked, fish hooked, dragged across the desert. Disgrace. God's people. In 56, or 586 BC, the Babylonians came into Jerusalem and burned the temple and destroyed the city and carried the Jews into captivity because they turned against God. It goes on and on. 165 BC, a madman. Antiochus. Epiphanus humiliated the Jews. If you remember, he slaughtered a pig in the temple and burned the city of Jerusalem. A.D. 70, the Romans destroyed the second temple and burned the city of Jerusalem down. It goes on and on and on here. Joshua said, if you choose to go back and serve other gods, this is what you can count on. Defeat discomfort, I would say pain, and disgrace. And the same applies to us when we, is why we're, is why it's so important why we're obedient to the Lord. We must separate ourselves from the world. We must be obedient to the Lord. We must be secure in the Lord. It's the most important thing for you and I today. Joshua merely repeats these, these, these principles of blessings for obedience and also cursing for disobedience. He's making it very clear. It was very clear when we studied Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. There's consequences. You go for God, you're blessed. You go against God, you're cursed. It's very clear what it was like there in the Old Testament. But we, today... Under the new covenant, a different covenant, a new and better covenant. We relate to God in a different way. Hebrews 8, verses 6 and 7. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Galatians 3, verses 10 through 14. And because we're under this new covenant, therefore Jesus is no longer going to can experience God's Faithfulness to curse us, he's not, that doesn't for us, as Israel knew it was. Yet we do experience God's faithfulness to correct us, not to curse us. 
As children of God, God is faithful to correct us as a loving father in Hebrews 12, 7. And we do experience the lack of proper blessing if we do not abide in Jesus. There are consequences. But we must, as Joshua said, remember what the Lord has, what will be doing for Israel. But we also know what God does for us, right? The word of God is like a two-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12. If we obey it, God will bless and keep us. If we disobey it, God will correct us until we submit to him if we love the Lord. And so Joshua assembles these leaders of the nation of Israel. Joshua presented, presented to them two scenarios. Obey the Lord, and he will bless you. He will keep you. He will protect you. You will have victory. You'll keep, he'll keep you in the land, the promised land. Disobey him, and he will judge you and remove you from the land. And these were the terms of the covenant God had made with the Israel. Remember at Mount Sinai, which Moses had repeated at the plains of Moab, which are the same, same thing. He repeat, it was repeated and reaffirmed to the people in Mount Ebal and, and Mount uh, Gerizim between those two mountain ranges. Three times they confirmed, yes, we will, yes, we will, yes, we will. No, they didn't. What, did, what resulted? Exactly what Joshua warned them about. Not if, only when. That's a, that's a pretty strong final address. Again, it wasn't about him. It was all about the faithfulness of God. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you for your book here, Joshua, Lord. The words you've given to be written down for us to learn and to grow and to understanding. Uh, may we meditate on the things we've, we can learn from your word. May we be obedient to your word. May we desire to have a deeper love for you. draw close to you to meditate on your word day and night cultivating that friendship that relationship desiring more of you and less of us more of you and definitely less of the of this world may we be ambassadors separated from but representing you well separated from this world but we're ambassadors in this world to draw them to you. Beacons of light. Salt. That would bring you honor and glory. And please you in all the things we say and do. In Jesus name. Amen.